Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning, Crossview. Welcome to Church Online for another week. Uh, I am so, so excited to share with you this morning. Uh, I just want to say that I think that the scripture that we're going to look at today is so vitally important for us and for the times that we're living in. The stories that we're going to be looking at today can be reframing for us. And what I mean by that is that the scripture we're going to look at, I think, can help us shift from one perspective to another and encourage us and give us hope. Uh, as b- Before we get to that, uh, we want to encourage you each week to participate online uh, with us. Uh, Say hi in the chat section, whether you're on the website or whether you're on Facebook. It's really encouraging to see the names of people pop up there to share what God's doing in your heart as you are going to work, working together through the service and and, and worshiping and praying, responding to the message. Uh, So we just want to encourage you to do that. You know, we want to continue to remind you uh, to go on our website for all kinds of different resources. You can request prayer. Uh, You can give online. You can join a Bible study. There are lots of things. We want to just encourage you to continue to use that as a resource as these weeks go on. You know, for the the past several weeks, we've been looking at what life was like for the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection. And we've been looking at how they were living as uh, resurrection people. And then we're asking the question, how can we do the same? We've discussed how they were examples of fearlessness in the face of uncertainty. If you remember in week one, we said that uncertainty is unavoidable, but in life with Christ, fear is optional. And we've looked and seen how the followers of Jesus were filled with his spirit, filled with his power, and, uh, and, and continued to do the work of Jesus in their day. As we move into our focus for today, we're going to look at two different passages of Scripture. First, we're going to continue in our look at the book of Acts, this time in chapters 6 and 7. And then second, we're going to jump ahead a little bit in the New Testament and look at the book of Hebrews. And as we'll see, the Hebrews text works as kind of a commentary on what's happening in the book of Acts. Here's our goal for today, to see what our life and faith can be like if we follow the example of the disciples and fix our eyes on Jesus, no matter what. And there it is. I've given it away already. But we're going to see over and over as we continue on today how significant it was for the disciples of Jesus living as resurrection people for them to fix their eyes on Jesus. We're going to be called to do the same. The disciples throughout all that they were going through kept their eyes on Jesus. And it was a game changer for them and it can be for us as well. So we're going to dive into the scripture. We're going to look at the book of Acts at the end of chapter 6 and into chapter 7. And we're going to find the story of a person known as the first Christian martyr. A person who gave their life because of their faith and his name was Stephen. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through chapter 7, verse 1, and then we're going to skip a little bit, and we're going to look at verses uh, chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. And like I said, it's quite a significant amount of scripture, so uh, you'll see it on the screen, but I encourage you to get out a tablet or a Bible as well and really dive into the scripture uh, that we're going to share together. So let's read it together. 
Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some of the men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? Now what happens is Stephen's response to that question, you can read about it in the beginning of of, uh, chapter 7. He replies to them much like the disciples did a couple of weeks ago by preaching about Jesus. So we're going to skip to chapter 7 verses 54 through 60 and we're going to pick up the story from there. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him to death. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Wow, this story has, uh, it is an incredible story and it's powerful and it's compelling. And it comes with a twist at the end because as you know, Saul, who holds Stephen's coat at the end of the story, is later radically changed and saved by Jesus on the Damascus road. He becomes the apostle Paul and ends up writing most of the New Testament. It's a powerful story, an incredible image for those who know what happens. But at this point in the story, there's continued frustration from the Jewish religious leaders and the Romans over this lingering group of followers of Jesus. They just won't go away. They are filled with courage and boldness and fearlessness. And now people like Saul are seeing that the followers of Jesus will literally follow Jesus all the way to the end, that they'll give their lives for what they believe about Jesus. And you know, for you and me to follow Jesus like they did, giving, willing to give their lives, the only way to do that, the only way uh, forward for you and me in this life of following Jesus is the same as it was for Peter and John and Stephen and later Paul. It is to fix our eyes on the only one who can help us forward in times of trial and crisis and suffering and difficulty, the only one, to focus on the only one who can turn our mourning into dancing, to fix our eyes on Jesus like Stephen did, staring into the heavens. Where is your focus this morning? Where's your mindset? 
Where is Jesus in how you view the world around you right now? Where is Jesus in how you uh, understand and view people in your life right now? We are filled with the power of the very spirit of the same God that produced people like Stephen and Peter and John. The living hope of God's glory flows through you and me. And yet it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to live with the confidence of faith. It's difficult to live boldly, to live courageously and fearlessly when it comes to our daily walk in this life. That's why I'm so thankful for the inspiration and encouragement that we get from the stories of Scripture and people like Stephen. 2,000 years ago, nobody knew what was going to happen with this little group of people that believed that Jesus rose from the dead. There was no guarantee that this thing that they were doing would continue. They could not have imagined visiting a country like ours or a city like ours and seeing churches everywhere. They probably couldn't have imagined that most people that you'd run into now were married in a church or that after they passed away that their life was celebrated in the church. For the first followers of Jesus, there were no churches as we know them today. There were no church buildings. There was just a gathering of people who believed that Jesus was the Savior that he rose from the dead, that he was the Son of God. And isn't that an encouraging thought for you and me today? In the midst of their struggles, I wonder if they asked, is this movement going to continue? Is it going anywhere? Will it even spread beyond our town? Is it worth it? Is it working? Wow, just think about what if they had given up? What if they'd been unfaithful to the message of Jesus? What if there were no Stephens or Peters or Johns or Pauls? It's here that we come to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and 12. And the author of Hebrews writes this very powerful statement about the people of God. And I bet that the author of Hebrews was thinking about people like Stephen, stories like Stephen's. We're going to read in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, verse 13, and verse 36 through 39. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. And then later it says about these followers of Jesus, Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. That's hard to hear. It's hard to read what happened to some of the first followers of Jesus. You know, maybe when the author thought about his own complaints, his own gripes in life, maybe he thought about the fact that he sometimes, maybe like us, are sometimes tempted to abandon God because God didn't come through by Thursday on a prayer that we prayed on Monday, right? Haven't we kind of, we've been frustrated with that, right? Um, but maybe that's why he writes, the world was not worthy of these people. Now pay close attention here. Uh, pa a pastor I read wrote this. 
There was once a version of faithfulness to God that elicited heroic living. There was once upon a time a version of faithfulness to God that caused people to stand back and say, what in the world, who are these people? There was once upon a time a version of faithfulness to God that caused people to stop and stare. There was once upon a time a version of faithfulness to God that caused people to be so impressed that they could not take their eyes off this group of people because they were the most awe-inspiring group of people that they had ever met. And over time, that people, that group of people grew and it grew, right? And it was rich and poor. It was masters and slaves. It was men and women and children. It was people from all different walks of life. And there were Jews and there were Gentiles. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And that is why we are here today. And here's the exciting thing. That kind of faith is not relegated to the past or to the early church. There are people in our world today who live the same way. And you and I can do that too. That's why these stories are so important for us. They are links in the chain of carrying the gospel from generation to generation. And now it's our turn to be part of that same chain. Because the promise that they were living out is the same promise that we get as well. It's the power of God's spirit creating faith in us and changing the world around us. People like Stephen and the other disciples remind us that the way to do that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And because they did, we're here looking back with 2,000 years of history laid out before us, with story after story of healing and delivering and setting people free in the name of Jesus. Another pastor uh, I, I read wrote this, We have absolutely no reason in the world to be fearful. We should be the most fearless, confident, humble people on the planet, not because of what God has promised, but because of what God has done. We're on the other side of that promise. And then we read in places like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Did you hear that? We keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The author of Hebrews says to his first century audience, let me tell you what to do. In light of all these things that have happened in our world and to our community, because of the fact that God kept his promise, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And as a witness to what I'm about to say, all of these people from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from Moses to David, from the prophets to Peter to Paul, from Matthew to Mary, all of these and so many more are witnesses to us. And here is what to do. Here's what they exampled. They, they were an example of for us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. We do what they have done. When we are overwhelmed with anxiety, when it looks like the world is coming apart, when we are uncertain about the future, when our faith looks to be in decline, when we feel like we don't know where the world is headed, here's what he says to us. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that can so easily entangle us, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. What are you focused on? What might be holding you back? What's distracting you? What's entangling you? Where do you need to experience the freedom of God? Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
I was reminded of the power of this truth last week in a meeting with our new superintendent and other Free Methodist pastors from around our state. We were reminded that one of the schemes of the enemy is to make God's people fearful and ineffective by distracting us. Distracting us by keeping us looking on at what we don't have, at what we lack, rather than focusing on what we do have in the person of Jesus. Did you catch that? Rather than focus um, on, on what we don't have or what we can't do, like not meeting together, let's ask ourselves, what do we have? The person of Jesus. And what can Jesus do? Well, we've seen Jesus can do incredible things. So let's strip off everything that slows us down and run with endurance. I'm more convinced now than ever that the limits that are put on us, God will use from, for our benefit. Jesus wants our generation and future generations to come to experience faith in him. He wants to transform the world and he wants to transform everyone in it. He spends his, his every moment thinking about it. He wants it more than we do. Here's another truth for us to be reminded of. Nothing, nothing can prevail against the hope and truth of the gospel of Jesus, period. Not the gates of hell, not the schemes of the enemy, no limits on our gathering, nothing can stop the, the hope of Jesus for the people of this world. So we fix our eyes, we fix our heart and our life on Jesus and watch what he does because we will fundamentally never lack what we need to do the mission of Jesus. There is never a moment in your life or in the church where we are lacking what we need to take the next step with Jesus. If we can fix our eyes on Christ, we will join with the people who came before us, who showed the world the incredible saving love of God. So what are your eyes fixed on? What is your heart fixed on? As followers of Jesus, we are people with our eyes fixed on Jesus, encouraged by the stories of our brothers and sisters from centuries past, and by those in the world today. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to be bold and courageous as we carry the message of Jesus because we have been changed by his grace, his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness. Let's not get distracted. Let's keep our eyes focused, fixed on God. And in Jesus, we have everything that we need, no matter what, period. Stop the presses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for your filling of the Holy Spirit. And God, I just pray it is really easy in these times to be distracted, to focus on uh, so many other things, to focus on what we lack, what we don't have. And yet we find in these moments of these stories like Stephen's and Peter and John that we've been looking at these past weeks, even Paul, um, that, that in the midst of their moment of crisis, what did they do? They look to you. They fix their eyes on you and you give what is needed in that moment. God, that is so powerful. So for all of us who are in the midst of this, this lingering quarantine, we may feel like there's been so many things that have been stripped away and there are things that have been stripped away. But in the midst of that, what do we do as followers of Jesus? Well, we continue on in that chain link 
from generation to generation, we put our eyes, our hearts focused completely on you and we trust you to give us what we need to take our next step, to continue on in faithful following of you, Jesus. You are faithful and you will come through and we know that and we love you and we praise you in your name, amen.